live from the studios here in Omaha, Nebraska. It's time for another edition of The Other Kind Radio, Talk Radio. This is episode 52 on this 26th of May, 2019. The Other Kind Radio is a weekly podcast, semi-weekly podcast, that takes a good look at pop culture, and uh, we chat about it. We try to give you a little more insight to what pop culture is and how little we know about it. <laughs> My name is Jeff. I'm one of your hosts. If you're a returning kind listener, welcome back. Uh, hope you had a good week. Um, sit back and relax. Uh, for those of you who are a first-time listener, congratulations navigating the podcast maze to find us. We're glad you're here and want you to enjoy the show. As always, we encourage the listeners to like, subscribe our show uh, on any one of the social media uh, avenues. And... Uh, that really helps uh, feed that algorithm, which keeps the podcast universe spinning and our show in its gravitational pull. We also encourage you to check us out, uh, like I said, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And as always, we are available via electronic mail. And you can find us by typing info at the other kind radio in the two field on your on your uh, email uh, program of choice. And uh, we'll get back to you. All right. On this week's show, we're going to go through some headlines. We have a little, a little, uh, little news to go through. Todd's take on is going to be on a new show about Bob Fosse. Uh, my judgment is going to be on a show called Catch Twenty Two, and then on Center Stage, we've got to get it out of our systems uh, about the finality, final episode of Game of Thrones. Uh, both Todd and I have some, some strong opinions about it. For those of you who have not watched it, are not caught up, uh, don't listen. Otherwise, you will have some of the beauty that is the end of Game of Thrones spoiled. Uh, for the audio files in the audience, uh, for some strange reason this morning, my Mac has decided to turn its fan on super loud. So it's been a tough morning uh, technology-wise. So bear with me. It'll be in the background, and uh, we'll do our best. All right, so let's go ahead and get uh, the main guy in here. Let me see if I can read his his intro. He's a movie maker, guitar player, drum major, book author, and all-around renaissance guy. He also has his new project, Dive Bar Boombox. Let's give a big warm welcome to Todd. Todd, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jeff. I, you know, with your Mac going nuts today, my new Epson printer decided me beside me decided to reboot. So I'm sorry if you got a bit shot. I did. I did hear a little bit, but I thought it was just my Mac continuing to to die. I always decide to ramp myself up when you start that, just in case something happens, you know, to play the game of, oh, in case I need to jump in, I'm ready. <laughs> and right the moment I ramped up, it started this. <laughs> so it was a little bit of the modem sound off the morning. I love that. But you know what? The great thing about it is, is that I've vamped now long enough to watch you drink, drink a little I bit of coffee. Drink so coffee. how is that coffee this morning? The coffee's pretty good. I was standing in good. line getting, re- getting ready to get on a plane. Uh, that's the reason why we missed a week of the other kind radio. And uh, they had on the little um, jet ramp a um, a dot matrix printer, which was kind of fun. 
Wow. Yeah. Straight out of uh, straight out of uh, the past, and I'm like, like, where would you get ribbons and and paper for a dot matrix printer? But uh, I guess they, I guess American Airlines just uh, maybe they bought that company out or something like that. Did did it actually print anything while you were standing? It there? was because that I just remember that that sound and <laughs> I'm like, oh wow! And sure enough, can this be the was. day that on? The other kind of radio that we do nothing but do sound effects with our mouths. Sure. We've both done printer noises, so <laughs> let's move on from here. All right, so it's been a couple of weeks. Uh, let's get caught up with Todd. Todd, what, what's what's going on with you? What's happened? I know I saw a recent, recent uh, social media post that uh, was kind of a big, big moment in, in any family's uh, history or lives, I guess is the right way to say it. It was this this weekend, this very weekend, we went out and got my 16 year old child her first car and it ended up being I'll I'll start with the rewarding element. It was it was a sweet moment to give your child something like that. Um, But it began with the arduous task of sitting in a car dealership. We, We were going in to buy a used car. We found one that was. Uh, four years old, only had around 40-something thousand miles on it, so it had been a lease vehicle. It was in great condition. They could not have made it a worse process to purchase said vehicle because, you know, used car, we actually had the means to actually pay off the car. It wasn't a ton of money, and they did not want us to. Even for a short, really? the small amount, that it was like, can't you finance it? It was literally three and a half to four hours of people badgering me wow. to try and get me to change my mind. And if it hadn't been that good of a car, I would have just you know, giving them a nice hand signal and walked away. Wow. So pressure, pressure to, to buy or to, to, to finance, to finance. Wow. Yeah, it was. And, and look, I get that. I, I deal with in my production element of work, I deal with enough of the business side that I understand they want to finance it because they're going to make, you know, depending upon my credit anywhere from three to 20% more, I don't know what it would be. Yeah. They want that extra money that they're going to help make through the bank i don't want to give it to them this car is used i don't want to give you any more money so you know used car dealers in the world don't badger the people if they say they want to buy it let them buy it it does seem a little uh a little disappointing and and again buying a car is already you know a a bit of a whip so to, to be faced and just have that be another uh another whoa the front door's opening hey we're going to go ahead and pause this for one second. Folks, it'll be instant to you. It'll be one second. And we're back, and the request to have the air turned on was approved. So hopefully my Mac won't explode, and we can continue with the show. So, yeah, buying a car, already a pain. You just want to go in and buy it. All you want to do is buy that pair of sneakers, but they keep trying to sell you socks. And you just, nope, these are what I want. But most importantly, how happy was the recipient of this vehicle? Well, it's funny because at 16 years old, she wants to tell you, you know, I knew you were doing this. She, oh, really? He, you well, again, yeah, you. I'm. Did you watch the video that that my wife posted on Facebook? I I glanced at it. Okay, fair. Um, <laughs> so what we did, and it was, you know, again, this is such an elaborate piece of bullcrap. It's kind of to the point. I when I got a car, my dad simply said, "Hey, I got your car. You want to see it?" And I was like, oh, "Okay, thanks." Yeah, and. 
with this, it had to be a surprise, but I had some fun with it. And yeah. literally it was, let's get the car. We got to find a way to bring it in. I had a haircut appointment made. So I was like, okay, I got to take my car, park it down the street. So she won't see it. I'm going to drive her car to the haircut appointment. When I come back, we're going to park it behind. I'm going to pull my car in the garage. Then we're going to park this one behind it. We're going to tell her we're going to go to dinner. We'll raise the garage door and ba-da. Well, it actually paid off because, you know, she wants to drive everywhere right now. And I said, do you want to drive? Yeah. And so we go and we open the garage door. And now the one thing that kind of did give it away is for some reason, my wife, she was shooting the video and she decided to follow my child and she knew something was up. <laughs> but then she saw it and she's like, are you kidding? And I'm like, no, I'm not kidding. We've been telling her for a while we were going to look at it. And, you know, we needed to get the kid a car because she's with her school schedule. School schedules now for high schoolers, at least in Texas they can get the first couple of periods off. oh yeah oh yeah she doesn't go to school until 10 30 yeah. like, I, I have to be at work before that i can't yeah. be going to work coming back and taking you so now i'm kind of screwed i have to buy a car the same thing that we've uh maybe the the people in in nebraska got up together with people in texas because i'm amazed in hearing reports uh that max has you know oh no uh, you know my day's over at 11 what <laughs> Yeah. What? Well, it's just I have open mods, dude. We never got that in high school ever. Hell no. It was uh, you know, f my... you. Be here at seven thirty. F you. You're gonna get horrible food, and you get out maybe at ten o'clock at night. I'm kidding. That, I don't know. You know, <laughs> and sorry not to step all over your story because it was beautiful. It's the same thing as mine. You know, at least for my first two years of high school, they had open campus for lunch so we could yeah. go out to eat. Yeah. But then they shut the doors on that. And my my junior and senior year was like, you are here at eight o'clock. If you're in band, you're here at seven o'clock yes. in the morning and you don't leave until four thirty or five. Right. And mine wasn't that late. I was being uh, I was being a little silly there. Um, but I was in drama. And so, you know, I was usually working on something or, or some kind of school thing, and he got home late. So anyway, sorry, we got off on a tangent there. So anyway, she's her, she's done. Can't run her back and forth. So that was part of the reason of getting the, uh, the automobile. Yeah, and with her archery stuff, too, it was just, you know, between yeah. school, what archery demands are, we we had to say look you this is just the way this works now you got to have a car and you got to get yourself to and from so yeah. she's thrilled with it uh she's doing the typical teenage thing that yesterday we couldn't find her and <laughs> we thought um is she sitting in her car and oh you mean you couldn't sure find enough, her in the house it wasn't like she was had, had left and you couldn't find her right okay and so she's just sitting out in the car with the with the motor going and the the air conditioning on it and i get that i remember being so excited about things like that it, it probably does feel like your first sure. sliver of adulthood yeah so, and so i i'm thrilled for her. so giddy when you you know get to pull away for the first time and nobody else is in the car and you know, i can go left i can go right i can uh-huh i can go wherever i can go get food i can yeah yeah it's it's exciting and and it sounds to me like you and, and your your better half are doing a good job of being able to at least just deal with um the fears that a parent has when they're going through that so i think you guys deserve a little tip of the cap there because uh, that can't be easy it's not she still to be fair she still has to complete her driver's test it was just one of those that literally you know we, we were beginning the process of hey do we want to buy a car and there it was is like um that's really a good deal so the 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 tip of the cap i appreciate but at the same time the extent of her driving right now alone is um would it be cool if I drove my car around the block? Yes, you may go drive it right around the block and come right back home. 
So uh, she may have the freedom to push on the accelerator and do it at her own pace, but she is 100% under the restraints of don't you go anywhere. Yeah, that's, and that's smart. That's smart. Uh, you know, it just takes so long. And, and you think about it, and I was trying to explain that to the 16-year-old, that while when he's watching his mother or I drive, we may look rather relaxed and, you know, uh, laissez-faire, but really it's just we have the muscle memory of scanning your mirrors and looking around and doing everything and not being on the phone. And so, you know, say, you know, keep your head on a swivel, to which I get the usual response of basically like, meh. Man. Yeah, I mean, she's already had some of that too, and I'm like, okay. Right. Here's the great thing: is this is your car? Yeah. Uh, hi, hello, printer. Thank you for coming on again. Uh, this is your car, but it's really my car. Yes. Yes. I love what it. The hell is going on over here? <laughs> I wish I could claim some type of nerd and just saying that I was like have wired in and hijacked your printer. This is a weird technology day. I'm telling you right now. It's a spooky day. It's so, 50, how are things going for you, Jeff? Good, good. Fifty-two episodes we've done, and I've never my my computer's fan has never come on except for today. It's just it's weird. I'm good. I did some travel. I went out to Anaheim, where you can go and watch parents get absolutely beat down um, because of uh, Disneyland. Um, it's also a place where a lot of people just are always around you and that I'm getting older and I just was glad to get away. Um, but yeah, it's going well and just, you know, trying to get ready for, I've got one more show in San Antonio, uh, next month. And then I have a little bit of a break, but it's been a crazy first half of the year. I can't believe we're almost in June. Yada, 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 getting old time flies by. Um, I did get uh, a chance to watch a couple things, um, one of which will be Jeff's Judgment on, but I watched the new Muhammad Ali documentary that's on HBO that is phenomenal um, and tried to just kind of keep up and watch a few things and really excited about what I'm going to share today in Jeff's Judgment. But that's about it, just finishing up moving and trying to get uh, everything situated. I absolutely hate moving. It takes everything and moves it around and then you never can remember where anything is or i have been just throwing stuff out left and right now when i say throwing out i if it can be recycled it's recycled if it can be donated it's donated if it's trash then it's thrown away but you know you just realize how much crap you have when you're like do i really need this do i need this s video cable that i've kept in the case of emergency for huh. the last <laughs> 15 years no i'm gonna throw it away and i guarantee you i'm gonna need it next week and then i'll punch myself in the koala but no things are good i laugh because i <clears throat> i should jeff my room where i do the podcast all the time has been a little consumed with the project my wife's doing it's had her junk in here forever and it's finally clean the cleaning came to a part where she said <clears throat> excuse me what about all these cables and i was like well, those are a couple of HDMIs, and you know, what if I need a composite cable? Yeah, and yeah. I haven't needed that crap in forever, and so I actually just <laughs> threw in the trash can, and I cried a little bit whenever I threw my cables right. away. It's it's that moment you throw those cables away, and it's live from NBC News Station tonight's headline, folks. If you have composite video cable, you're going to be a millionaire because composite cable has some special meteorite that was used. I don't know, but you know, maybe not. Who knows? All Probably right, not. <laughs> let's get things rolling. Let's go ahead and get out the aggressive typewriter and get into some headlines. 
We have just a few this week. Um, I did want to ask you one I didn't bring up during the... Um, thank you. Thank you, typewriter. Um, one I didn't... We need bring... to pay that person more. They really are a great typist. <laughs> That's like six or seven words a minute. That's pretty good. <laughs> um, we, we, the headline I saw today that I was going to ask you about, and I, I, I apologize for catching you off guard, but the, the con had just has just finished up. Have you read anything on about con or any anything you want to share that 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 caught the todd eye uh yeah the, the, the big things out of con that really for me was the premiere of quentin tarantino's once upon a time in hollywood guide mm. now this is always you gotta put your bs meter on about yeah. this yeah because it got a six minute standing ovation now <laughs> at the con film festival it's standing ovations at film festivals are a way of saying wow that's great yeah. Um, obviously, the other end is <laughs> you will get you will hear about walkouts. People will walk out on films. Yeah. It got a six minute standing ovation, which is excessive. But what they're trying to do, it's that less so a little bit of extra on it to show what a massive achievement we think this is. Uh, the great thing is the word of mouth is that it is stunning, that it is perhaps his masterpiece. Ooh. Um, they said that it harkens back a bit to Pulp Fiction in the way that the stories are interconnected nice and it, so it tells the story of a fictitious actor and his stuntman at the change of the golden era of Hollywood into the second golden era of Hollywood which for those of you that don't know that's in the 70s when you started to see people like Scorsese Spielberg De Palma all these new people Coppola, right. coming in and revitalizing cinema uh they basically kind of shut the door on the old cinema, which was this Hello, regurgitation Hello, to an extent. Dolly. Yes, you wanted to work that in, and there it is. You did so well. Um, it, it really, the old Hollywood was this regurgitation of Westerns and whatnot, and so they're at the end of it. Well, at the very same time, the, these fictitious characters live in a house next door to Sharon Tate, who, for those of you who don't know, was the famous actress married to Roman Polanski, who was one of the people murdered by yeah. the Charles Manson family. Right. And they say that the final, I think it's that, that that occurs in the final 30 minutes, and they say that it is beyond chilling, that it's almost impossible to watch. It is so brutal. Yeah. So I can't wait to see it. Um, that's one of the big standouts. The other big standout being a Batman freak is that Robert Pattinson, who is there promoting a new film that he has made with Willem Dafoe, um, is supposedly one of the lead actors for the role of Batman in the new Matt Reeves Batman film. I did see some hubbub above about that, and some people were upset. But of course, you could you could you could cast you know. I was going to say George Clooney, but he was Batman, so never mind. But anybody that you cast in that. That's that role. Somebody's going to have an issue with. I mean, it's just. A no I mean, you, you go back and look at Michael Keaton. You look at when they put Heath Ledger in as the Joker. I'll, in fact, I was sitting in this man. very room when I saw it come across the uh, computer, and I saw this weird cryptic picture of him as the Joker. And I remember people right away saying, "This is obscene. This is a joke in and of itself." No oh Well, then he gives this iconic performance. <laughs> so, everybody, just shut up. It's obscenely genius. Um, exactly. So, and again, just for the kind listener, because I'm I'm still you know increasing my movie IQ. What is what is the significance of Khan? I mean, is it is it just more of the uh, just a release for the international films, or I mean, and I you hear the stories of the craziness of you know the parties and the way they try and sell their movies, but 
if you could give us a you know a quick summary of what con is when it comes to pop culture and film that would be great so con is a film for a film festival that takes place in con france and it it sort of is one of the the absolute pivot points of the film calendar every year now is are you going to see films out of there yourself there's a real good chance the majority of the people are not going to watch them because they're very artsy do they also premiere things like you know i I believe if i'm not incorrect they premiered a star wars film there they'll do that they'll put it out there so it gets a big hubbub same as with quentin tarantino they've done enough tarantino and you know and arguably is a much deeper artist yeah 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 would usually do a star wars film it's usually a little bit more of a hoity-toity these are some art films however you're they try to present themselves as really selecting films of a high artistic caliber and if you win what's called the palm dior that is the main prize from that film festival and that goes to people in fact i don't i don't know if they've announced this this year or maybe i've just been too busy not see what won palm dior um but I mean, David Lynch has won that kind of thing. So that's, yeah. you know, he's an artistic, you know, odd filmmaker who's going to win things like that. If it gives you any idea of what usually wins. Okay. So it's a very significant film festival. And for those of us that are too obsessed with movies, we, we keep an eye on it, but I, it, it's also to the point where I, it's a Sundance. I, I look at that and think, okay, what films pique my interest? I'll keep an eye on them. Right. It's, it's a radar thing for me. I know what to watch what's coming down. This on, this on Google News, Bong Joon Ho's Parasite unanimously wins Khan's prestigious Palm Dior Award. Dior, Dior. Okay, yeah, so, I heard that, Parasite? and I heard okay. that that was getting well received. So I'm not too surprised. Cool. Uh, last question about Khan's, and then we'll move on to uh, more headlines. Is um, t- does Tarantino have an Oscar? If not, do you think he has a fair shot at it with this new movie he's got coming out? I think he has one for uh, Pulp Fiction, for writing Pulp Fiction, which oh. goes back to that thing I say all the time. I'm not going to give you anything for directing, but by the way, here's the Constellation Prize, which is a screenplay award. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm correct on that. Um, I'm trying to I don't know Google yet. now. I don't know yet if he has a chance at the oscar because it's it's that whole bs thing of what's yet to come what's going to be the prestige film now they they like to think that they're hip as tarantino and that would suddenly make them skew younger if they gave him something so sure there's a chance of it you're right however once once it gets a a hold or gets thrown into the american critics they may bash it they may tear it apart because there were some critics out of that said i don't know what to think yet there's parts of this that are really really i want to go on and on about and they're part of it where i'm so disturbed that i don't know that i can i can recommend it so uh uh, doing my quick google search here quentin tarantino did win for original screenplay in 2013 and uh, Pulp Fiction won original screenplay in, in 1995. And then he's had some other winners uh, with like Hateful Eight, but nothing directly yeah. to him. So that should be interesting uh, to keep an eye on. Let's uh, let's scoot on over to Variety and uh, see what comes up there. I saw something this morning that I th- that I thought was interesting which is that Stan Lee, the icon when it comes to uh, comic book creation and everything, his former business manager was arrested on elder abuse uh, charges earlier this week. Um, you know, it's, it's, 
it's basically stems from uh, $262,000 that was collected from autograph signing uh, that Lee in 2018 that Lee never received. My question is this. I mean, we've, we've all... I know when I was a kid, quarters were gold, and if I could get my hand on quarters, that means I could play video games. And I, I got my hand caught in the cookie jar once or twice, lifting a couple dollars worth of quarters. And not to say that morally one is worse than the other, but it does just amaze me that you have these people who are so well-known, so revered, and do so much good, and then they are very vulnerable and try and find and trust somebody that'll help them manage their money. And this guy's running off with $262,000. I mean, good Lord. Yeah, I, I, I look at that, and I understand that, you know, if we harken back to the 80s and uh, Oliver Stone's film Wall Street, greed is good, Yeah, according to that. Uh, yeah, greed is usually going to get you slapped on the you-know-what. Yeah, I don't quite understand why you would think immediately, okay, if I'm going to siphon money from this, I'm just going to take all of it. Right. Why don't? Why not siphon ten percent of it to where you, you know everybody would be like, oh, I thought it was two sixty. Oh, it's only about two thirty. Okay, yeah. fine. <laughs> that you can begin to kind of think people will look past. Right. But to just entirely take it, what a flat out what a dipshit right and and again we have to disclaimer this uh, as alleged uh, behavior as alleged crime we do not know we don't want to say that he did but but again yeah just socially just because you hear about business managers doing doing this all the time where they're you know you have somebody that's a super mega star that just you know has maybe five or six people that they trust and one of these people is the person that trusts them and they get away with you know sometimes i mean what was it selena's uh mother oh yeah yeah mother-in-law or whatever shot her i mean it, it just gets crazy and i guess part of it is you know there's probably some jealousy watching this other person you know be so famous and everything so um at least they caught him um I mean, if he was dumb enough <laughs> at to, least, to, yeah, or or they have uh, you know allegedly have charged him with these crimes. I mean, I, I you know, I hope it wasn't something as I hope the guy was smarter than just you know running around saying, "Hey, have you ever seen two hundred and sixty-two thousand dollars before?" <laughs> and kept it in a big manila olive envelope that said Stan Lee's autograph <laughs> earnings. You know what I found kind of funny about it too is, look, I am not going to scoff if somebody wanted to say, "Hey, Todd, here's two hundred sixty thousand dollars." I go, "Thank you." Yeah. But if I'm gonna if I'm going to steal, I'm either gonna be like I said, smart to take ten percent, or yeah. I'm gonna look for twenty six million dollars. Right. You know, this two hundred and sixty thousand, it was that really worth right. what's gonna happen to you? Because yeah, you could inarguably change your life with that, but you think if somebody's gonna do that, they're probably gonna blow through that pretty quickly. Yeah. So, and I think I could probably blow two hundred and sixty thousand dollars pretty quickly. Shame shame on him and, and good for catching him and you know, there you go. We'll go ahead and end on that high note with headlines here on The Other Kind Radio. All right. Up next, let me look at the run sheet. Ah, next, we're going to jump into, we're going to dust off the projector and uh, get it warmed up here. Todd's going to give us his take on. Todd, what's your take on this week? My take on is the FX series Bossy Burden which tells the the story of one of my favorite directors, Bob Fosse, and his longtime partner. I'm going to say partner. It was his wife, and they never separated, yet they really weren't together, Gwen Verdon. Ah. Uh, she was a famous Tony Award-winning actress. They met 
uh, as he was the choreographer of one of her early plays, they stay together despite his womanizing drug popping ways to the point that while he went on to create one of the greatest movie musicals of all time, Cabaret, she was literally over his shoulder helping him. And she was a true collaborator with this man. Hmm. This stars, uh, good Lord. Now, as I'm trying to say it, uh, it stars, um, hang on, I'm getting to it. Why is my brain gone blank? (laughs) It's okay. It's all right. It's okay. It stars Sam Rockwell and Michelle Williams. I I could sit, my wife loves Sam Rockwell and that's the reason I could see his face. I just cannot think of his name. Yeah. 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 This also is directed by largely by a man named Thomas Kale, who for us music theater geeks was the director of the much lauded Hamilton Mm. and Lin-Manuel Miranda, famous of writing Hamilton is the executive producer of it. Wow. What's great about this is that Tommy Kale has decided to direct it a bit in Bob Fosse's style, because what you find out about Bob Fosse is that he was a very tortured soul uh, very early success at being a fantastic dancer, so, but sort of thrown into it by his parents to make money off of him. And he became very jaded about this oh. lifestyle of working out of theaters and, and whatnot. When yet another another instance of greed. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, they show that throughout. And so he just becomes, he feels like if he's not on all the time and entertaining and getting feedback and approval, that things are falling apart. But what's fascinating to me about this is to watch a marriage that was horrifically broken somehow work and stay together because even in the end, he became involved with a famous dancer named Anne Rye King and he was still married to Gwen Verdon. She had a boyfriend. They, he had his girlfriend yet. They retained their partnership. Yeah. Strained. He's the only director to ever in one year, win an Oscar, a Tony and an Emmy e- on the same year. So he got an EGOT, right? It's Emmy, Oh, he didn't Almost. get a Grammy. He, he didn't get a Grammy. Yeah, he didn't get. Didn't, but but egots can take the career, yeah. the life, lifetime. This was one year. Wow. He directed the movie musical Cabaret. He directed the stage play Pippin, and he directed the television special Liza with the Z, and won the awards for every one of them. Wow. And he almost became untouchable. And if you ever watch a Fosse film, you will immediately see he has an incredibly unique visual style. And it literally does when you begin to think this guy was forced to be on stage all the time. Many of the shots and the way that things are is that a person is always being observed or watched. Mm. And when you when you know that about him, you begin to see it. And I am my obsession with Bob Fosse has just gone through the roof because it's already loved the man right. now i can't get enough of him it's a great special it's it's almost over i think this week is the last episode but you can catch it uh on demand and it's it's well worth it especially if you like seeing why people people create what they create it's uh yeah it's currently being shown on uh fx so we'll note that and how many how many episodes is season one uh, i think there were I want to say eight episodes. Oh, okay. And are they are they half hour bite sized chunks? Or are we talking forty five minutes long? They're forty five to a full hour. There are okay. a couple episodes that clock in with commercials around one twenty five. So, so it, there, yeah, it's it's easy to consume though. And it, again, I love knowing why people create the art right. they create. And you have no doubt where this man was coming from. And I'm looking at the IMDb page, and boy, Sam Rockwell looks like him. They did a great job casting. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. Well, it's good work. But 
Michelle Williams too. It, Gwen Verdon had a very distinctive, you know, I don't want to say she's like you when you do radio voice, but she was very oh. mannered in the way she spoke and she's <laughs> nailing the crap out of it. And both of them, what's fantastic, Bob Fosse, if you ever look into it, you know, he was a choreographer, dance man first. You would know the dance moves that he's famous for, the little hip things. Mm-hmm. He would almost choreograph fingers and, and things like that. He, Sam Rockwell has done some of his own dancing and I've been like, well, holy crap, he can dance. And Michelle Williams, they've both been stupendous. I, I really enjoyed it. All right, folks, that's Fosse Verdon on FX. It's also available on Amazon Prime. So uh, get out your Amazon Prime and uh, check it out. We'll go ahead and uh, stop that projector and put it back on the shelf. And we'll get back down next time when we get Todd's take on. Thanks, Todd. Appreciate that. Just Judgment this week, which I guess we're on episode 52, and I still don't have a theme song. I just have not made, had time, had not made time or had time. So uh, I need to add that to the list of things to do. But my judgment this week is on a show that, um, funny enough, check this out. So I was in Anaheim, and some flights got canceled due to some weather, and basically it was at the mercy of American Airlines. And I said, I want to get home, get me home. And they said, well, we can, but you got to fly out of LAX which is about an hour drive from Anaheim. Well, I haven't flown out of LAX, even when all my travels, but for years ago, I very rarely work in LA. So I was kind of excited about uh, driving from Anaheim to uh, LAX on a rare rainy morning and um, just was kind of checking out the the scene and the way things change. LAX is is definitely an old airport um, that needs uh, some upgrades. It's the only airport I've been to that you know where you get into the lanes where you can drop off, uh, you know, to to go to go catch your flight. You know, for the different airlines, they have stoplights in between the buildings, which normally you don't see at all because you want traffic to flow. So it took forever. The drive itself was forty five minutes. Once we got there, it was a half hour just to get to my gate. Anyhow right up there and they say that billboards don't work but right there on a billboard there was an advertisement for a show called catch 22 and i was like oh what you know oh it's on hulu cool i need to check it out so i got back home and have watched it and uh before i get into the review of it one reason why catch 22 caught my eye is i've been fascinated and for many years wrongly explaining where that phrase comes from uh, Catch-22, and I have a clip here I'm going to play that will do a better job explaining it than I do. But basically, Catch-22, as we all know, is kind of like being between a rock and a hard place. But it was an actual uh, rule that was written in the military for World War II for bomber uh, crews uh, in that um, you could not fly missions if you were crazy. Um, but, of course, if you tried to act like you were crazy because you didn't want to be on these incredibly dangerous flights, then that was a sign of uh, sanity. Therefore, you weren't insane and had to go fly the <laughs> the uh, the missions. So uh, real quick, I'll do the tale of the tape. The creators are uh, Luke Davies and Michael, uh, I think it's McCod. Um so Luke has, has been uh, a writer for a while. He's been both known for Lion and Candy and Life, uh, for writing screenplays and, and being uh, involved in those pro- uh, projects. Um, the director 
Um, and they've had a couple uh, directed. So one of the first big moments is you notice that uh, Mr. George Clooney's in it. So he's he's uh, directed a couple episodes. Uh, Grant Heslov has uh directed to a couple episodes and Grant Hesloff plays you'll hear him in a minute the doctor who this one particular pilot uh, excuse me one bombardier keeps going back to wanting to get out of missions so part of it is uh, the missions which are horrific and scary and part of it is him landing uh, and then going immediately to the hospital to try and find some reason why he can be sick or kept out of the skies um, also uh, directed is Ellen Curris. She has worked on uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind and uh, POV uh, and uh, another uh, movie called The Betrayal. So we've got some seasoned uh, people in there and again, some superstars in there, um, again with George Clooney uh, in there lending their stardom to this. But basically the story again is uh, Christopher Abbott plays uh, Usarian. Uh, who is a uh, bombardier? He's the one that actually, uh, you know, drops the bombs. And uh, he, that back in World War II, they had a number of missions they had to fly. And what they did was they kept this okay, 25 missions, and you get to go home. And then everybody would get about 22, 23, and they'd say, okay, well, now it's 30, and now it's 40, and now it's 45. And this guy did, um, based on the true story, or the main character is kind of based on. A real-life pilot uh, bombardier uh, he flew over 60 uh, missions so they kept raising it and of course it was super uh, dangerous and so you know it was this whole effort to stay sane and then also at the same time uh, stay safe so I'm gonna play a quick uh, clip here this is between C Christopher Abbott who plays uh, Usarian or his uh, his uh, fellows call him yo-yo and then the director um, who uh, I had his name here just two seconds ago, Grant Hesloff, who plays Doc uh, Danica, who uh, they're having a little conversation about how he can get out of the next mission. Doc, you gotta help me. Let's forget about the liver. You can ground me if I'm crazy, right? Oh, sure, I have to. I have to ground anyone who's crazy. Then ground me, I'm crazy. You're not crazy. But I am. Ask anyone, they'll tell you how crazy I am. Yeah, but they're crazy. Then why don't you ground them? Why don't they ask me to ground them? Because they're crazy, of that's why. Of course they're crazy. I just told you they're crazy, didn't I? And you can't have crazy people decide whether you're crazy or not. Is Orr crazy? Oh, he sure is. Can you ground him? I sure can, but first he has to ask me to. Then why doesn't he ask you? Because he's crazy. He'd have to be crazy to want to keep flying combat missions. Sure, I can ground Orr, but first he has to ask me to. And that's all he has to do to be grounded? That's it, just let him ask. And then you can ground him? No, then I can't ground him. Why not? Catch-22. Anyone who wants to get out of combat duty isn't really crazy. Catch-22 specifies that a concern for one's own safety in the face of danger, real and immediate, is the process of a rational mind. What? Orr's crazy, and therefore he can get out of flying combat missions. All he has to do is ask. But as soon as he asks, he's no longer crazy, and so he has to fly more missions. What? Orr would be crazy to want to fly more missions and sane if he didn't. But if he's sane, then he has to fly them. If he flies them, then he's crazy, and so he doesn't have to. But if he doesn't want to, then he's sane, and so he has to. That's some catch, that catch-22. It's the best there is. <laughs> so I thought the, the writers did such a great job of kind of explaining that, and, and I just love Christopher Abbott's character, where he goes, and he'll, he'll explain it, and he goes, what? <laughs> He's just, you know, because it is. It's this 
horrible rule that they made up that that in, in would ensure that their pilots and bombardiers would have to do uh, all of these dangerous missions. Um, one of the things I mentioned to you when we were texting was w- one thing I really like about Catch-22 is the pacing. The pacing's done really well. I, I never felt that a scene was sticking around too long or um, it was just meaningless dialogue between two characters that it that didn't have any real say or value when it came to uh, the payoff. Um, it's eight episodes. I think it's eight episodes long. I've watched all of them. Uh, obviously, I think there is going to be a season two. Um, but besides the, the the talent that's in there, the writing and the pacing, uh, it's just a, it's something different. And the one thought I kept having when I was watching this show, and this of course, it's all it's all about perspective, right? So I watched this after what we're going to talk about on our main stage, watching the finale episode of uh, Game of Thrones. The thing that spoke most uh, most to me while watching the show was it's a show that didn't feel like it was trying to be anything other than a story. I didn't feel like it was trying to interweave way too many plot points and or uh, character development. It just kind of told the story, which, uh, as you and I have mentioned many times on the podcast, you know, I'm just just a fan of telling stories. So um, don't really have anything else to, to, to add on to that. But Catch-22, it is on... Hulu. It's a Hulu original. Uh, I highly recommend that you check it out. I believe episodes are close to 45 minutes, so uh, you will uh, need a little bit of time to digest, but it's worth checking out. I can't wait to give it a try. I've told you before, even yeah. my um, my moniker on the Xbox gaming world is Catch-22. I've loved that story for a long time, so I just haven't had time for it, but I'm going to make time for it now because of your wonderful little review there. Thank you, Todd. Appreciate that. Catch-22, check it out. This is the Good Lord. All right. Well, it's not a show if we don't have one of those. <laughs> I have no <laughs> idea what just happened. I think my printer rebooted. Um, all right. Well, that's that's uh, Jeff's judgment as we come to a fiery burning crash. Oh, oh not a good reference with Catch-22. Anyway, um, that's Jeff's judgment on. We'll move on to now the main stage as we're moving right along. And this past Sunday... Um, was the much anticipated end of what I believe is is definitely one of the most popular uh, television shows that's been out there. Uh, HBO produces it. Uh, everybody knows about it. I actually I don't think you could find somebody that ha- doesn't know anything about Game of Thrones. You have people that you ask if they know about Game of Thrones, and generally they're the super fans or the ones that just really, really, really don't care. Well, Sunday was the final episode. Um, we mentioned a little bit on the previous episodes about the hour and a half length and some episodes and just kind of them trying to seam up, sum up and put it in a box and put it away. Um, what has been eight years of a rather incredible journey. Um, now I, uh, as before we get into our opinions here, you know, I just want to make it clear to the kind listener that, yeah, eight years we have watched every episode. I think I've watched uh, at least them twice because um, my good friend Todd said, go go back and watch it and try not to be so hard on it. And I did. And it, to his point, uh, it is a great story and, and some uh, uh, good storytelling as far as characters and then just uh, journeys and revenge and all that good stuff. Um, but... You know, it's this last season, season eight, really took some chances and did a few things. And uh, 
I feel, uh, you know, we want to give credit where credit's due to the crew and cast and everybody working on this project. Congratulations. You know, definitely, uh, definitely deserve a, uh, I don't know, about six minutes, maybe, maybe 30 seconds of a standing ovation. Um, but we and what, what Todd and I are getting ready to talk about and say is said with love and respect. And we're just a couple of guys with microphones and a podcast. But um, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, it was uh, it was not what I thought it would be at all. And and if you read on the Internet and everything, there's a lot of questions, a lot of things that were kind of left out. So once again, uh, welcome to Center Stage. We are going to talk about the final episode and season of Game of Thrones. If you have not watched it nor want to know any spoilers please pause your podcast now and come back after you watched eight seasons. So we'll see you in a, a couple months. But um, without further ado, I mean, let's get into it. Uh, so as as always, I'd like to paint a picture. So I, I want to take you inside the Todd household. Um, we're all family members present. My daughter, my, my wife is not a Game of Thrones person. Okay. Uh, my daughter and I did watch it. So I had a 16-year-old child beside me who I will say right from the beginning yeah. is the number one Sansa fan oh, ooh. and adored Theon. Okay. Those two things you must know as we go through this. Okay. So 16-year-old with those, those, who's, who's uh, those ties. Who's Theon again? Theon Great was joy. the – he's the one that got – kidnapped and snipped by oh Bolton, yeah. okay tortured yeah and, and and to be quite frank what she loved about him was how he was not a good character at the first then he's so tortured and right. he actually worked to redeem himself and she really loved that story of redemption was popcorn available to you yes on many occurrences there was definitely popcorn so, so available you, so you you uh, made an event there were there was popcorn there were snacks there was something of liquid to drink and wash it down with absolutely this this is not only i love this show i really do even yeah. with what we're going to say about the season i still love it and i'm going to have to go back and watch it again to see if i can figure out what happened yeah um my daughter loves it more than i do okay. so it was definitely event time all right i uh couldn't sleep and so i watched it at about midnight one night by myself uh, on my small little i i uh I, my little ipad and uh, no snacks were present. There was just a little bit of a little bit of sadness, <laughs> and uh, and what ended up in regret. All right, so we've painted the picture. There you are. We got it. Uh, it opens up, and it starts out with the right after the uh, the dragons have have done their deed, dragon I should say, um, with uh, uh, assassin girl. Caught her walking back through the ashes. Now there was a bunch of hubbub about she was death and the white horse and the four horsemen, which none of that was even explained or really kind of gone over once the episode began again. Right? Did you see all that stuff where they were saying that she was dead and she actually represented death and yada yada yada? Yeah, people that come up with that, you're full of crap. <laughs> um, you're reading way too much into it. No, that's filmmaking 101. I can't show the destruction of a city without a character you're invested in. Right. You have a character there who we know can persevere and kill everything. And quite frankly, because we've told you to turn off, she can kill the Night King. We know she can survive, yet we've never seen her have to survive like this. Right. And so I don't read into this that she was anything. She was simply, they thought, oh, what do we do with her? Because we don't want to send her off to kill the queen, which would have been cliched if she simply kills the queen. Right. And it's too easy. All right. 
So, yeah, I see those kind of things. And right, right from the beginning, I have to say that that stuff bores me <laughs> when people, this is what it meant, and then they never pursued it, or this is what it is. Stop and let the filmmaker tell you their story. Okay, okay, good. That's good. That's a good... Don't don't read into it your own. There's it's a good not theme. your story. Right, and it's a good thing to, to go through because th- I'm still trying to figure out what story they were trying to tell us because it felt like... And you said earlier um, that they got awarded a Star Wars contract. The writers did, or yeah. As a matter of fact, so DB Weiss and Dan—I uh, never say his last name—Benoif, Benoif, or however—because um, of the success of this. And let's be very honest. Yeah. For seven seasons, yeah, sure there were stumbles here and there, but by and large, they really nailed the crap out of this series, which right. is a amazingly hard series right so kathleen kennedy and lucasfilm turned to them and said hey we'd love to let you lead your own star wars trilogy and they're most likely from what it looks like going to tell a star wars story that happened generations before what we know they're going to tell what what star wars fans know essentially is knights of the old republic kind of thing oh okay which fits into you think about game of thrones and it's kind of the same thing but in a star wars world my theory that i said jeff you know right off the top and i'll, I'll jump to this that i i don't think that the <laughs> finale was a total miss i think there were beats that worked i think yeah i think the choice if i may go ahead and say of who ends up on the iron throne sure 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 the the choice of bran on the iron throne Ugh. Well, i actually kind of liked it because now i don't think i don't think it's the right choice i think that you've told a heroic journey and you had to put somebody there besides him i do actually think though that you know this is supposedly george r R. martin's ending to an extent really he said well and then if you go he if you read those books every chapter of a book is from a character's point of view Uh, would you like to take a guess who the very first chapter of the very first book whose point of view it is george r binks Yes, you win. <laughs> it's it's brand. Uh, and if you're going to do a, a storytelling journey, why not start with the person that will end up there at the end? All right. So I I I think that people forget this this story constantly surprised us and did things we didn't expect. So <sighs> brand being there, I'm yeah. kind of okay with. Right. The things I'm not okay with. Okay. Um, well, I was gonna say they're, we're gonna get we're 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 off of uh, what's her face uh, the uh, the assassin chick. You'll know everybody's names. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. I did deviate away. See, you got me so passionately involved. I know. I know. Take me back. I'm sorry. But you I do want to take the kind go. listener on a little bit of a journey, so they kind of know. So it starts out with her walking the streets and everything, and then we go with Tyrion, right? Uh huh. And. Um, he is sad everybody's sad it's very sad and he wants to go down into the catacombs that i believe he knew they were going to go to that his brother and sister were going to go to if 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 s got real and so he goes down there to try and i guess find them now here's the first really big red flag for me so he goes down and supposedly the queen and the brother were buried alive by bricks because they're in the catacombs of the castle or whatever and the castle gets disintegrated so they get covered with all this rubble meanwhile he Tyrion walks in and removes just like two or three bricks and oh my lord there they are posed so beautifully crushed by what would be thousands of pounds of stone are his uh sister and, and brother 
that for me was a big swing and a big miss. First of all, they would be absolutely crushed and buried, and and he would not be able to dig them out. And they also wouldn't be in a nice romantic pose after being crushed by rubble. Um, why do you do? You, is this a is this a decision from the directors and everybody saying we have to do this because it looks the sh- the final shot looks cool? Because I think if that's if that's the thinking, then they're sacrificing some reality and some storytelling by by just having it end up in that shot. I, I question your call for reality in a show that has walking zombies and dragons. Yet, I also do agree with you what I found surprising. I didn't find surprising the golden hand. In fact, when we saw the golden hand there, I thought, oh, that's actually kind of a genius way of allowing me to know they're there. Yeah. But when he when he pulled them apart. I I think their their death like that being that they were twins who are in the womb together now, you know, womb Uh to tomb, literally. And they're there together as twins, I think is kind of correct. Yeah. I didn't need to see their faces. Yeah. I think if he had simply seen his golden hand, that would have been enough. And it's not like this show has spared us from gore. I mean, we've seen no. a guy's head skull get crushed in. We've seen all kinds of stuff. And I just thought it, they were, it was... And you're right. It's hard to use the word re- realistic. And I and I and when I say that, I mean realistic within the universe, within the universe that they have supplied and built around us. Uh, when you're as a viewer, which does have a gritty realism in and yeah. of itself, even though you're in a fantasy world, there it's right. very realistic. Now I understand. You're right. I like it. Womb to tomb, and they're there, and it made for a good shot. And you know, I, I get it. It was they. They somehow had to get those three back together in the same room and have a scene. So I think they did that. Um, if I could, dig- if yeah. I can digress with one thing, because sure. what God is here, I do want to touch on, and I think it's really important to even the tonality of this show was in the episode preceding is Daenerys's turn to become evil. Yes. So I just real quickly want to touch on, because it does relate to Arya running through the, the city, what where we get the, the destruction and the death of yeah. Jamie and Cersei. If you really go back and watch this show, and, and I had just watched the entirety of the show up to this with my daughter, I do believe that, yes, George R. R. Martin wants her to become evil. Yeah. Because if you watch... She does things like when her brother is killed, it's sort of like, well, he deserved it. Then when she kills all the uh, Dothraki warlords, it's kind of like they're evil men. She's just fine killing people and they're setting the foundation of it. And it really foreshadows it. However, foreshadowing is not character development. Mm. It tells of a tendency to do it. They needed a moment. They, they, it, to me, it is so close to working. Uh All they had to have happen. If it was Daenerys heard the bells ringing and didn't believe it was fair that they surrender, yeah. what should have happened is why weren't the people in the streets throwing rocks at her? Yeah, They're afraid of her. Throw something where she thinks they'll never love me. And we, you've even foreshadowed that where she's like, will they, do the people even know I exist? And yeah. everyone, everyone would say, they're singing songs about you. Right. Well, now they're not singing songs. They're throwing things. And that could have been the thing that tripped her. Right. Or her, her great night jorah mormont why didn't he die right in front of her in that battle yeah no that would have been a good yeah. would, they could have triggered her to be like that's it i can't do it i'm gonna kill everybody and you would get it and and then what you do is you have the classic thing maybe john snow standing there he sees jorah die knows she's flipping and john screams no yeah it's our it's our as the audience it's our release of don't do this right. it makes sense they forgot that element and yes. I even remember sitting there going when she was turning out that, oh, no, 
they aren't earning this they yeah. aren't earning oh there she went yep and i think that was their first big stumble was you foreshadowed it yeah. you haven't developed it yes that's that's a that's a great lesson for for any of us that are, are looking to uh, write stories or put stuff together because uh, when you put it that way, that is so very true. And I think that's what was that's where the emptiness came from. That was the unsatisfactory bite of a hamburger where you're just like, wait, what? That that was it. I mean, we we could see her face change, but I, I agree with you um, on that. And then you know, of course, that brings us to the scene between Jon Snow and her. And, you know, she never sits on the on the throne, but she gets close to touching it. And then John comes in. Now, this is an interesting scene, too, where they had us led us up to believe that I, I, I'm surprised John didn't just go in there and start yelling at her. You know, like he just witnessed thousands of people get murdered, but he's still kind of got a real soft tone. Now, granted, she's got a dragon in her back pocket, so maybe he's just trying to work some diplomacy. But it seemed... Uh, it just seemed uh, a little less emotional than I thought it would be, especially when she just starts telling stories about how, when she heard about the, the throne. And for those that haven't seen it, or those of you, uh, obviously, who've seen the episode, we have an embrace. We have, you know, John saying, you will always be my queen, followed by John stabbing her with a dagger. And, oh my gosh, uh, then the dragon lands and looks at John breathes in and instead of engulfing him in a fiery death the dragon melts the throne take me inside of todd's mind and where were you while these were you excited were you let down what what, what were you thinking when that was going on i had moments of everything um i think that if you go back and watch the show again there's the episode season two season three where she loses her dragons and it goes into this magic hall and she's allowed to see both her dead dothraki husband the child she never bore um and she's looking along and you see what you think is snow because winter is coming but now you realize when you watch this it's ash i thought that those two together i thought wow this is beautiful storytelling that's well done I thought some of the imagery is fantastic. They made a fatal flaw in this scene too, though. Directly preceding it, we've had Tyrion tell John the right thing to do is to kill her, basically is what he tells her. Now, we already know that's in John's mind. What should have happened in that scene with Tyrion is he should have grasped a dagger on John's belt or something. You have this, you have the power. And then right before John walks in, he should look at that dagger. Yes. We don't ever see it. So when he finally does the inevitable, which is to kill Daenerys, you get it in the middle of the brace, the embrace, the, the scores swelling and you hear. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and I thought, well, hang on. That's like having somebody walk in and we kind of think maybe they have a gun, but we don't know that they have a gun. Right. And we hear a gunshot go off and they go, who shot who? Right. And that was the problem was I thought now Daenerys has never carried a dagger, but no. it doesn't immediately tell me who's doing what to whom. Right. They are not now. Uh, the two creators directed this episode and I understand their desire to see it out. They should not have done it. Yeah. A better director would have helped them say, you got to have something here. You got to have this. It, it was just a fatal flaw in that scene. So the emotionality of it is void right. because I don't know what's going on. Like that would have been time to have a little more dialogue and, and kind of show that process of, of those two characters coming at it. And then, and then realizing that, 
this was the decision that John had to make in order for things to go right. Because I did skip the scene where the, the, the now queen, the dragon queen, is addressing all of her troops and everything. And basically, she says, look, our job's not done. We're going to go cleanse a little bit more and we're going right. to you know, break the wheel. And so that's I, I left that part out. But basically, that's kind of when everybody realized, oh, she is now lost it. She's crazy. She's going to kill everybody. And then uh, Jon Snow, uh, you know, talks to Tyrion, who gets put into jail. Anyway, we're back. So then the queen's dead. Boom. Dragon melts the throne. Very symbolic. I get it. Nobody's going to sit on it now. And but then um, the dragon picks her up and flies away. We now then cut to another scene where it feels like it was what a couple days later, and John has been put in jail. So I did read online that there were a few people that are like, so nobody was around when he killed her, and her body's not there. <laughs> Is John really the 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 so honest and so true that you know he's going to walk up and go, hey, just so you guys know, I just killed the queen. And why wasn't he just run through by worm or anybody that, you know, would have been super mad that he decided to take her life? I, I could not agree more with all of that. Um, going, going back to what you mentioned there when she comes out and she's greeting the troops, I did think they had probably one of the most iconic shots that this show has ever had where as she walks forward to the camera, the dragon is behind her and unfurls its wings and suddenly she looks like an evil yes, sorceress. Yes. Beautiful shot. Gorgeous shot. And I thought, wow, if you had nailed this episode, people would just be going, oh my God. Here again is the problem. Filmmaking is like anything else that you're telling a story, whether it be that you're writing a song whether you're telling it in a book, whatever it may be on a stage play, you have to escalate tension for tension to work. It doesn't send, it can suddenly be thrust upon you if tension has already been existing. Yeah. You can't though take a scene where he's coming in and he's very soft-spoken. Yes, but you killed people. Right. He should, you're right. <laughs> there should have been enough Ned Stark was like, this is wrong. You yes. know, he should have, you don't have to be indignant, but right. he should be standing up for it. And as she continues to escalate, that's when we should see his hand like rolling the dagger in his hand yeah. on his belt. Like he's almost contemplating these things. We don't get any of that. We, we get the dragon coming in and melting the throne, which I kind of liked. I thought, well, that's, yeah, that's very yeah. cool. Let's destroy the throne. It, it still rang hollow because the, the moments preceding it were hollow. What really troubled me about the scene yeah. is exactly what has been said. No, why, why did he tell anybody he killed him? Why didn't he just say she's dead? The dragon ate her, you know? Exactly. Um, See, what happened was... So, well, they should have had somebody come in at the very end and hear the words between yes. them and see him kill yes. it. That would because then we love Jon Snow. Yes. And suddenly he's at peril and somebody at the last minute saves them. What also troubled me is them that jump forward. Yeah. So the way that I thought we're supposed to tell the amount of passage of time is that we see Tyrion and Tyrion's beard is longer. Yeah. Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah. And if you're looking, you're like, okay, well, I know me. It takes me about a, a couple of months to really grow that much more beard. Yeah. It was just, but then they go outside, and when we see Tyrion, the snow's all gone. So winter yeah. is coming. Hey, by the way, it's only going to last for two months. It's going to be really great. Yeah. We're going to go skiing. It's yeah. going to be cool. Everybody's everywhere. Yeah, winter's coming. and But they never, like, said, what, you know, hey, it's like Florida. It snows, it lasts well, a day, and it's all right. 
it's like the forecast here in Texas. The weather's going to change any minute. Just hang yeah. on. But I thought that was a really weak choice. I thought, no, you keep the oppression of the snow. Yeah. And here's the thing. You keep the oppression of the snow during the, 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 sh- the show. Right. At the very end, when we finally see somebody ascend to their sunlight begins to pour through the window. There you go. It says there's, the, there's the new horizon. Yeah. They missed obvious choices like this. You you could you could find ways that are better than Tyrion's beard to tell me it's been yes. two months. Yes. And it could be um, a character talking to another character saying, oh, my gosh, I can't believe Jon Snow, you know, you know, admitted to killing the queen and blah, 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 blah. The other thing I want to say real quick to the other kind listener is at this point, I know I, I know that I'm not going to be happy with the way this is going. I, I know I'm going to be upset at the end of the episode, but I'm still... I'm still tied enough to it that I've got to go see how they're going to do what they're going to do now. So it was a little it was the beginning of the of the car crash, uh, the beginning of the the building falling. I kind of want to see where where it lays out. Well, go ahead. If I may, I thought one of the ways they could have done passage of time. First off, I thought arresting Tyrion was a mistake. You know, <laughs> yes, how does she yes. know that quickly that <laughs> she's been involved in burning up a city and everything? Yeah. We never saw anyone tell her, by the way, Jamie Lannister has been released. Or did you know he's dead? She just miraculously yep. knows it. You're right. Tyrion should have been the one that you know we know that he did something wrong and maybe he got by with it that it, it served no purpose for her to arrest him and put him in the dungeon he could have been the one with gray Warren to say stop i'm the hand of the yeah, king you must yeah, stop yeah that's our emotion because we love both of them then you could have a scene afterwards where we're going through the destruction of the city and there's Tyrion. Tyrion again our vessel of why he yeah. would be there we had we have to fix the city but we've been working on it for two months yeah. sir well we can keep working that would be a better transition tells me more about it yeah. and then he could go on after that go right to that meeting of selecting a king yeah i i, I just don't get this oh hey by the way you let her go you let your brother go so we yeah. have to arrest you it was just stupid well and and we're kind of going back and forth here so kind listener belt yourself in because we're going to be jumping back and forth but that was also you know the the overselling of him him removing the hand of the queen and throwing it on the ground and then being led away you know i would thought that in her fit of rage that would have been the time she 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 uh she set him on fire or, or had the dragon eat him or whatever. But yeah, you know, it, again, it just felt like things were just having to like they, they had on their wall cards, note cards and things they had to tie up. And then they were just kind of sequentially just like, OK, now that's taken care of, because now that we've been told by the length of the beard how much time has passed and John's in prison and now we're interest now we're introduced to this this group of people sitting around and they're deciding what's going to happen you know hey we need to decide and then out of nowhere the teenager that used to suckle from his mother's breast is there and he's all grown up somebody that we haven't seen in forever i don't know the character's name you know who i'm talking about right robin yeah he's there and a bunch of other people there and they're trying to decide i guess uh Tyrion's brought out and they have to decide what they're going to do with Jon snow and who's going to be on the throne that doesn't exist and they decide um through voting um that uh bran or bron or whatever his name is is going to be the new king one thing i wanted to call attention that i that i saw and made me think of you was when that one lord stands up and he starts pleading his case and i think he's told to sit down 
and he turns around and whacks his sword on the the tent post. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> well, he's supposed to be a bumbling idiot. Okay. He's- Right. If you if you go back and watch it throughout the show, he's kind of been treated like a okay. spoiled. He's he's a uh, Catelyn's the the Stark mother. Yeah, that's her brother. Ah, uh, and he's always kind of been bitchy. You know, I want more. He's inarguably one of the people that kind of turned his shoulder on his family. Okay. Uh, if I recall correctly, he's the one that when they're trying to light a funeral pyre, he keeps missing it. When he's trying to shoot the arrow, so ah. he's he's a, he's a bit of a ding dong, and I disagree with you about Robin being there. I actually thought, okay, well, he's still the Lord of the Vale. He right. would be there. You're right. Again, I just um, I'm I, I'm not so much questioning him being there. It was just kind of like, oh, oh, you know, like there yeah, wasn't like I a scene you. where they were getting greeted or said hello. It was just all set up, and they were there. So anyway, Tyrion talks and says that what they need to do is elect somebody to be the new people or the new king and rule all the lands and they talk about it and brand gets elected but then um what's her face says yeah y'all six kingdoms now because winterfell we're doing our own thing and basically secedes from the kingdom which i thought was kind of an interesting move which my daughter started cheering and sobbing at that part because she adores sansa she loved that she stood up for herself she loved that she's now the queen of the north so okay. I, I could barely hear the final 15 minutes of the show because my child was screaming. Okay. So they get that worked out. And then it's what to do about John. That could be a whole sitcom. Um, <laughs> so they talk back and forth and this and that and the other thing. And then they decide John, who has fought countless wars and battled and done so much good. His his sentence is to go back to the Night Watch. And hang out there. And he can never marry. And he can never have kids. And basically he's going to be banished. Again, I don't disagree too much with that decision. Um, I just thought it was kind of a interesting way to kind of get it summed up. Um, but I couldn't see any other way. I, obviously they couldn't make him king. And killing him again would have you know, maybe been a little too too gruesome so he's gonna go be on the on the on the night's watch what 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 were you thinking that wall wasn't that big of a deal that they just rebuilt it easily in two months (laughs) when i saw that i thought are you kidding me that was my first are you really kidding me that Ah. was almost kind of like yeah that's really a failed scene they filled us when i saw the wall completely rebuilt (laughs) i thought why are we not seeing that it's kind of being rebuilt that they need him um and I thought the wall was to keep the the White Walkers out, and the White Walkers are gone. Well, maybe they're still around. Maybe they're oh. making mini White Walkers. I don't know. I thought the same thing. I thought, well, why do we need a Night's Watch anymore? Um, I, I don't really quite understand what you've done to him. Yeah. As we see him go to the wall, yes, you know, yes. we see it magically rebuilt. Yeah. We get introduced to, we see that Tormund is still there, the, the great red-bearded yeah. uh, northerner. Um, the, sure, that's great fan service to have in yeah. there, and, and I'm okay in these kind of episodes where you have a little fan service. It's understandable. It felt fan service after fan service. I did have a moment of glee when John is reunited with Ghost, his and he finally dire pets wolf. Him. Huh? And he finally and he pets, pets him. him. <laughs> well, and everybody's throwing their little tit fit about it. he yeah. didn't pet him. Yeah. You know, shut up. The storytellers, obviously, they created this well before you ever threw that fit. So they had a story. To yeah. That's one of my main things of shut up. Right, 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 right. 
Sometimes there's a reason that they don't give it to you when you want it. So I think some of the, you know, that's a great point of that. Some of the criticism is incredibly valid. Some of it yeah. is a bunch of fans acting like children. Right. Now that's that final part it, jumping back. I thought some of the, the award of where we see saying uh, John saying goodbye to his brothers and sisters, I thought was fairly well done. I yeah. thought those are well done yes, scenes. Yes. Yes. And they made sense. It's just when we get up there, I kind of, I couldn't help thinking, why are we going here? Yes. Why does John need to be here? And then we see him that he gets reunited with Ghost. And then without any word said, we see the, uh, <laughs> why can't I think of what the Northern folk are called? Why the am wildlings. I a book? Wildlings. Thank you. The wildlings are there and they're still with him and they apparently want to go north and John's going to take them north. Now, Abby, um, asked me after it was over she's like so what does that mean he's riding with him is he going to become the new mance raider which is the former night's watchman who became the king i said that would actually be kind of a cool idea that they didn't verbalize that they don't tell me that (laughs) you know it it just there were missed opportunities of that What, what i question even with that ending is john died and we brought him back from the dead for what purpose? So he could go take a bunch of wildlings yes, north? It, yes. What was John's character arc? It doesn't make sense. Exactly. And it's like he's giving a big middle finger to the people that gave him the sentence to always be with the Night Watchman because he's like, yeah, I'll go up there. And then it's just like you said, with no words and and pardon the French, no shit's given. He just goes, I'm going to go hang out with the wildlings and do that. You know, so take that. And I I thought there was a, a missed opportunity with yeah. Tormund. Instead of just having Tormund there looking like the Jolly Green Giant, he could have said something to, to John of, you will always be my king. Yes. You know, almost echoing what John said about the yeah. queen. Yeah. And we need to go north. Will you come with us? And then we would have known that's what the intention was. Right. For, you know, as it leaves it, John, we just think that John's venturing off into the wild <laughs> with him. We don't know. It would have been great if he did turn around and flip the bird, you know. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I'm out. I'm out of five, because I mean, again, with a with a show that has been so focused and so developed on 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 dialogue and 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 people, you know, having conversations about what they're going to do and what they want to do and everything. This again, that was the other kind of shocker about this episode was there was so much that was left unsaid and maybe that was intentional so that we could be having this discussion. But either way, it was like you know, I. I agree with you that i need a little something i need a high five between the big bearded man and and john snow and say what's up you know hey let's 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 run off and do this yo i heard things didn't work out for you you know sorry to hear that so again i'm watching my 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 happiness is at a steady decline watching this and then i thought they did the the worst from all of this with the following scene and I'm interested to hear your thoughts on that because basically it's them um, showing like, you know, meanwhile, back in King's Landing and now they have the new table there. And I understand there's some, you know, they have the, the hand of the king and the boy, the person that's in charge of the money and all this other stuff. And they're, now they're all back to, well, you know, we got to rebuild this, this kingdom and what are you going to do? And ha ha ha, that's funny. And then that's it. Uh, again, interesting. Well, to be fair, there is one thing at the end that I think they did very well. So let's jump to the thing, the the small council meeting. I thought tonality wise, it was really wrong. Okay. Um, especially to begin with Tyrion adjusting the chairs. Yes. Yes. I 
I, I, I get what they were doing and I get that he's always kind of, that was his little play that he yeah. used to do when he didn't feel like no one, anyone wanted him there. And now he's leading it. But if anything, I thought Tyrion should be kicking the chairs over and, you know, <laughs> almost like F ewing to yeah. his entire family. Yeah. I didn't have a problem with them meeting as the small council, but it ended up feeling more like a sitcom moment than it did a drama moment. Yes. There we and go. And I didn't, I didn't need it. I could have had, I knew it was the hand of the king. He led the small council. I didn't need to see that. Um, what I did think immediately after that that's done very well, and this leads to the final shots of John walking away, are the cross-cutting elements where we see repeated shots of John walking, Sansa walking, Arya walking. There you go. And the camera's falling exactly the same. We see where their lives are leading. We see Sansa crown the king of the north. That's we right. We see John. I, and I thought those were very well done and very typical Game of Thrones yeah. type of presentation. It's just there are so many missed elements in here that they've, if they just had taken their time, and this really leads to what I think about this final season, if they had just perhaps either done instead of how many episodes, was it six this this season? I think it was eight. Uh, was it six? I think it was, it was six only six. Okay, yeah, you're right. Six, because they were hour and some odd long and everything. Yeah, Right. I think instead of doing six, if they'd done ten, yeah. if they had split this into two seasons, it just needed more. I even thought with the Night King, the fight for all that's been built yes was too quick it should have taken a couple of episodes of cross-cutting and we knew they were that they had nowhere to go and we felt desperation instead it was just wrapped up in an hour yeah um that's a mistake yeah then we too quickly go to king's landing for that battle if they had simply drawn this out just a little bit more they would have had the classic ending this show deserved right as it is it's an okay ending yeah it's meh it does not compare to the achievements at the beginning of this this series. It is it is very meh, and again in the same breath. Uh, to I know it's employed a lot of people. It's developed uh, careers for some actors that were, were very uh, little known about them when they got the part. So I don't want to take away from any of that because I think it, overall it's a win. But it it I feel it uh, our pop culture duty, if you will, to not uh, to to not call it out or or to, to at least uh, take a look at it would be. Uh, uh, unfitting because of of its place in pop culture and and where it uh, has taken us. That just at the end there, it definitely took a very hard left <laughs> turn yeah. to the point where you know you're you're just kind of like, look, I'm not trying to be a I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm just I'm just like I raised my hand, you know, and like I was joking in the pre production. It was like you know them having a staff meeting and going, okay, guys, we got to wrap this up. You know, okay, ideas, you know, and and somebody raising their hand, they're like, well, what if we what if we developed this and and had this? Nope, nope, nope. Bob, sit down, shut up. Wizards, what's going to happen? We're going to tie it up. The bodies are going to be beautifully laid out between the bricks and everything. No, no, no blood or anything. Want to keep them, you know, looking really good. Um, So again, it just felt like there were some decisions. And I know you said that maybe when they were awarded the. the Star Wars contract, they were they were quick to, to, to try and uh, sum up um, the show. Um, go ahead. No, I, I'm just thinking. Oh, okay. So please. to wrap it up here, I just want to ask you, as far as iconic shows, uh, including the ending, where does this one fall? I mean, obviously, you've got The Sopranos, which are way up there. You've got you're Breaking Bad, which is way up there. Um, what is, what is your top three of, of television shows of, of all time? Well, I, you know, I don't do well with lists, but when okay, I think okay. of it, uh, breaking bad to me is the all time best season yeah. Yeah. series finale. It's just, it is a perfect one. It completely fits the tonality. It tells the story the way you, you expect it yet surprises you. Yeah. 
where Lost is a great show that has yeah. all these elements where it kind of touches on things and it uh-huh. just feels like I'm wobbling my hand in the air. That's exactly what that feels like. Yeah, yeah. The Sopranos leaves you hanging and you want more. So Game of Thrones, I think, will go down as one of the great TV shows of all time that was a prime example of you better nail the landing. Yes. Because you cannot, I, I don't want to hear the people, these people that are asking, they're signing a petition with millions of people <laughs> for HBO to re- get new writers. Please shut up. No, no, no. Please shut up. That's not how this works. Right. You, you need to stop. Yeah. But to but, the creators of this, hey, I like you guys. You did a fantastic job for the majority of 10 years as you produced this. Your ending was not good. It's just like the same if you watch the Olympics, man. You were great on the balance beam until you tried to land it, and then you stumbled a little bit. It was one of the first rules I learned back when I was beginning to play pool, and that is you can run the table. You can run all the balls, but if you hit, if you miss that last ball, then all your efforts are, are pretty much null, nullified. You know? You've know, you got to make sure you stick the landing. You've got to make sure you close it out. And that's, I, I think, the only thing that's, that was really missing here. I agree with you with everything you said with Game of, uh, with, uh, I'm sorry, Breaking Bad and The Sopranos. Both of them on for multiple years, developing careers and, and actors' uh, chops as they it progressed along. And, and those, I think, had uh, that felt there was some more thought that went into ending them and respecting the audience and the and, and the cast and the characters and how they summed it up um i think there'll be some good lessons learned here uh you know as far as you know future huge development and i know the other thing i want to comment on real quick is i'm getting a little upset at hbo because now if i want to watch something i've got to watch a minute and a half of them saying hey there's still more to watch don't you know don't go away don't cancel your subscription we've got all this other stuff and it's just like you know that they didn't have that when they had when they started Game of Thrones, I don't think they need to do that now when they don't. Make I a agree. good show. I get tired of that. And HBO, here's, here's a key to it. I fast forward through that every time. Yes. Yes. I do too. Cause it's just, it's getting too long. All right. All right. So on, uh, so all in all, uh, worth watching, just be prepared that the end can misstep a bit when it comes to Game of Thrones. I'm hearing footsteps. I think somebody has gotten into a shower. So the house is, is waking up here. <laughs> at the studios uh any final thoughts anything else you want to throw up before we uh send her home uh no you know i'm going to come back to game of thrones after i rewatch it with my daughter because she does want to rewatch it and i'm going to tell you if my feelings have changed after knowing that ending seeing where it's going to take me and i'll try to do one more quick little recap on this once i do that with my kid sounds good good to see you again todd thank you to you and uh the other kind listener for joining us again um I'm probably going to hit the wrong sounder or the wrong button. Nope, it's beeping at me. Okay. Doc, you got to help me. Let's forget about the liver. You can ground (laughs) me. In a lot of ways, the ending of this show is a lot like the end of Game of Thrones. (laughs) (laughs) All right, folks. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of The Other Kind Radio. Uh, Many thanks to my co-host, Todd. And uh, keep your comments and uh, questions. Have them them coming on. We're going to... Like I said, we're kind of in a transition. I've got to get the studio rebuilt 100%, and then we've got some good things on the horizon. Uh, But for all of us here at The Other Kind Radio, thank you, thank you, thank you. And remember, we are The Other Kind Radio. The Other Kind Radio. The Other Kind Radio.